Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time we've been able to share. We pray that our songs were pleasing to thine ears. And, Father, that we sang out of a pure heart. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity once again to gather together around thy word. Lord, open our eyes that we may see and understand thy glorious truths and that we might allow it to transform us, Lord, into the image of Jesus Christ more and more. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Philemon? The book of Philemon, we began a series last Sunday night uh, on this marvelous little small letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a man named Philemon. It's a three-part series, and we're in part two tonight. And I titled, as you recall, I titled the, the series Philemon's Fire. It just sounded nice. It sounded like it went together. But what really hit me was uh, when we, we look at this letter, we, I think it's easy to forget the testing that Philemon was put through here when he received this letter from the Apostle Paul. As you recall, and we're going we're gonna to look at that testing tonight, but as you recall, we looked at verses 1 through 7, and the beginning of the letter there, in those first seven verses, Paul wrote praising Philemon for his character traits. He would, uh, as you recall, uh, he was so thankful for him, for Philemon's love, his faith uh, uh, and love towards the saints. And uh, remember that uh, Philemon was the one who opened his home to the church there uh, in Colossae. So the, he was basically, um, he had to be one of the elders of the church. But a special man, a well-to-do man, no doubt, because he had a large home, he had slaves, of which this letter is uh, going to talk about, that Paul is going to uh, point out to Philemon. So Paul first uh, praises him and uh, and thanks him for the way he's living, how he refreshes the saints. But then we're going to come to the meat of the letter in verse 8. So let's look at, together at verse 8. Let's read 8 through 11. Paul then now goes on and says, Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do that which is proper, Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my child, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. And then he mentions this name, Onesimus, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. Suddenly, Paul gets down to the reason he's writing the letter. And he starts in verse 8 by saying to, to Philemon, 
though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do something. It's within my rights. He's basically saying, because I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, I could command you in this matter. And it's almost like Philemon, you know, can you, I want you to picture yourself as Philemon, and you've got Paul's letter in your hand, and you're reading this, and all of a sudden he says, now I'm going to command you. You think you've done something terribly wrong. And, and, and so he's reading along here, and, and he reads that Paul's saying, you know, I could command you about this, this certain subject. Verse 9, he then says, Yet for what? Love's sake, I rather appeal to you, or I beseech you, since I am such a person as Paul. Notice he didn't say the Apostle Paul, but just said Paul. And then he referred to himself as the aged or the elderly one, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. What is Paul doing here? The Apostle Paul comes to him in a gentle manner with this letter. He doesn't come like he does on some of his epistles and and brings the hammer down on, on the church. But he's speaking as a friend to a friend, a brother in Christ to a brother in Christ. And he says, I'm not going to command you in this matter, but I'm begging you, I'm, I'm appealing to you to do the right thing for love's sake, I'm appealing to you. Because I love you, we are brothers in Christ, I appeal to you. And now Paul kind of uh, plays on Philemon's sympathies. He, he kind of, uh, you will see here that, that Paul begins to describe himself as the, age, the aged, the aged one, the old one. In other words, Paul's, it's like uh, Paul saying, Philemon, before I tell you what I need from you, remember that I'm an old man, and I'm a prisoner at that. Remember, he was a prisoner in Rome at the time he wrote this. And so here the Apostle Paul is coming to him on ground level and saying, I'm appealing to you as an old man who's been in the ministry a long time, and I'm here in a prison, but I want you to consider what I'm about to ask you. And then he says, I appeal to you, verse 10, I appeal to you for my child whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, Onesimus. Now, we will see later again in this letter that uh, we understand that Onesimus was a slave belonging to Philemon, who escaped and ran away. He escaped the house of Philemon, and he went all the way to Rome. But it is here at Rome that somehow, in God's providence, he met the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul then had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. Now, I can only imagine Philemon reading this in the letter. I appeal to you for my child. My child. And then he mentions Onesimus. Yes, Onesimus is my child. That had to blow his mind. Philemon's 
probably thinking, why are you calling him your child? But we, I'm sure he began to understand what he meant by that. And of course, we know what Paul meant by that. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 together. Verse 17. 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Look what Paul writes to the church concerning Timothy. 1 Corinthians 4, look with me at verse 17. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful, what? Child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Notice the Apostle Paul refers to Timothy as my beloved faithful child in the Lord. Now turn, uh, turn to Galatians uh, chapter 4. If you go with me to Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. And Paul writes to the church, and he calls, he says this to the church. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in me. But I, but I could wish to be present with you now and to exchange my tone, and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Remember, he, he was having issues with the false teaching that was entering the church at Galatia. But notice Paul calls the, the people, the church family there in Galatia, my children, with whom I am again in labor. Any time Paul uses the word child or children, he uses it in reference to those who have come to Christ under his ministry. And, uh, of course, he led Timothy to Christ. And so the Apostle Paul considered Timothy his spiritual son. Anywhere Paul went and he preached the gospel, such as in Galatia or Corinth, and he preached the gospel and these people were saved, the Apostle Paul looked on them as his spiritual children. He was their spiritual father because he brought the gospel, he led them to Christ, and they were born again. And so this is the, this is the very term that, an idea that, that here the Apostle Paul is uh, referring to Onesimus about. Let's so go back with me, if you will, to Philemon again. Go back to Philemon, and again, verse 10 there. He says, I appeal to you for my child, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. And here's the name of the child, Onesimus. Again, this is, notice he says, I've begotten him in prison, which means that while Paul's in prison, somehow Onesimus, was uh, someone took him to Paul, must have taken him to Paul. He heard the gospel from the apostle Paul and was saved. And so suddenly, this runaway slave named Onesimus is now a brother in Christ. 
He's a, a, a spiritual child of the Apostle Paul. And so Paul says to Philemon, oh, by the way, I have a child. I appeal to you concerning my spiritual child who I begot. In other words, I led to Christ. His name is Onesimus. Now, Philemon, once he saw Onesimus' name, he's going, so that's where he ended up. You can imagine. Remember, he's the master of the household. He had numerous slaves. Onesimus was one of them. And you can only imagine how upset he had to be when his slave took off. Onesimus uh, ran away, took some money, we believe, and, uh, and, and never to be seen again. And Philemon saying, boy, if I could ever get my hands on him. Has anyone ever done that to you? Something to you where you just says, how did he get away with that? Or how did she get away with that? You know, someone did you wrong. Maybe a brother or sister in Christ, or maybe they're, they're unsaved. But they hurt you deeply. They did something to you. And, and you've been holding something in like, boy, if I ever get a hold of them, I would sure like to pay them back. You know, you've been, uh, you've been wronged. And you have, you have the, uh, the righteous indignation towards that individual saying, they, God, would you take care of them, punish them? And no doubt Philemon is, is in shock because here is this unsaved slave. And now suddenly Paul is saying, oh, by the way, guess what? That slave that ran away from you, he's, he's a brother in Christ. He's a Christian now. Whoa. This changes everything for the Apostle Paul and for Philemon. He he says to him, I appeal to you about this child. In verse 11, he says, who formerly was useless to you. In other words, before he was saved, he was just a a useless uh, slave to Philemon. But now, now that he's saved, verse 11, he says, he is useful both to you and to me. This young child in the faith became useful to the Apostle Paul. We don't know what he did for the Apostle Paul, but no doubt maybe he assisted him in prison. Remember, he was under house arrest, the Apostle Paul, so so people could come and visit him and see him and then go. But and, and no doubt Onesimus was one of them, but once he was saved under the ministry of the Apostle Paul, he, he, he assisted Paul somehow, some way, and Paul, he became very dear to Paul and, and was such a blessing to him and so useful to him. By the way, the name Onesimus, do you know what it means? It means profitable. How about that? Profitable. And, Paul, and so that's... Interesting that Paul says here, uh, you know, this, this, this slave named Profitable has become profitable to me and to you now. And so he's, he's basically trying to set this, the, the table for Philemon concerning this runaway slave who is now a believer in Christ. Then we come to Verses 12 through 14. Let's read it together. Paul goes on and says, And I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, 
whom I wish to keep with me, that in your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. Boy, this, this Onesimus must have been very special to Paul because he didn't want to send him back to Philemon. He wanted to keep him there for himself because he was such a help. And he's saying, I'm sending him back to you, but consider this, verse 12. He says that I'm sending, as I send him back to you, I'm sending my very heart. Paul had, had such a deep love for this young man who is now in Christ that he's saying to Philemon, I sent him back because I feel it's the right thing to do, but I want you to know how much I care for this runaway slave who is now a brother in Christ. I would like to keep him, verse 13, but look at verse 14. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, that your goodness should not be, as it were, by compulsion, but of your own free will. Not by compulsion, but of your own free will. The Apostle Paul, again, is saying to Philemon, he's saying, I'm not commanding you, and I sent back Philemon. I could have kept him, but I'm, I want to send him, I want your consent as to whether or not he'll come back you would send him back and allow him to continue to assist me in Rome here in my imprisonment. But you've got to make a choice with this man. I'm sending back to you that slave that did you wrong. And now, Paul's saying, now I want you to do the right thing. I want you to do the right thing as I have sent him back for you. And look at verse 15. For perhaps... He was for this reason parted from you for a while that you should have him back, look at that next word, forever. Verse 16, no longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And here's where Paul just lays it all out. He says, and I love verse 15. He says, for perhaps he was for this reason parted from you for a while that you could have him back forever. What is Paul saying there? Paul is talking about the sovereignty of God. He is talking to Philemon about the purpose God had for Onesimus to run away. It was a bad situation for Philemon. Philemon didn't see any good in it. I lost one of my good slaves. He stole from me. He's gone. And Paul is saying, perhaps something good, God had something good planned out of his running away. And certainly there was good. What was that good? It was that Onesimus might be saved, that he would hear the gospel and accept Christ and become a new creation. That was the purpose. And again, this reminds us that God is at work in every situation in our lives. It doesn't matter how bad things get. We wonder, why, Lord, did you allow this to happen? 
Why did I, I lose my loved one? Why did, you know, I, I, we are in that situation as a family. My brother Bevan has bladder cancer, stage four, as you know. And we thank you, for everyone, for praying for him. He's, at this point, he's getting worse. He stopped eating. And he's not able to eat. He has no taste. He can't taste anything. And the doctor said, that's the cancer. Cancer will take away your taste and your, uh, your, any appetite you would have for food. So the difficult part right now is that, that they desperately want Bevan to eat because in three weeks they want to start the chemo treatments, which will last from four to six months. But he's lost so much weight, he's so weak, and his kidneys are, are, are weak that unless he gets stronger, he won't be able to take the chemo. And that's, that's where we're at right now. So I, I've been in touch with his wife, Betts, and she's just telling me, please j- just pray that he'll be able to start eating. She said, I, I made him some filet mignon. I went out and bought him some filet mignon, which he always loved. And I, I brought, cooked it, brought it to him. He's home, of course. And, um, and he took three little bites, and that was it. And he couldn't eat anymore. And something he 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 would he would uh, you know absolutely love, but but he he couldn't eat anymore, and and this broke her heart. She she wanted. He said she said I I wish he I could just see him enjoy something again in life, but but it's so hard. She has now she's been for years a uh, working in a dental office, and uh, but now uh, she has worked it out with the dentist. She has been able to finally get things set up at, at home. So now she is able to work out of the home, in, in, working with the dentist. Wow. So she's home all the time for Bevan. And you know, uh, our family, we, yes, we ask why. We don't understand God's ways. But my brother would continually reaffirm his faith in the Lord and his trust that God knows what is best. God has a plan and purpose that he can't understand, but he knows that God has a plan and whatever will happen will work out for his glory and for Bevan's good. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to Philemon. He's trying to tell him that there's, there's a, something good happened out of the bad that came out of your life when Onesimus ran away from you. And dear friends, tonight I pray that we would get a grasp of this. That the pain that I may be going through right now or you might be going through or the bewilderment of what God is doing or allowing in my life, that it's all part of a plan that he ultimately sees the end. And as we heard tonight, we know what the end really is when Christ returns. When he returns, we shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. And that is the blessed hope we have, waiting for the return of Christ. But until then, we have these decisions we have to make and trials we have to go through. 
Now, Philemon is put to the fiery test in a different way. What is that? Yes, we are all faced, you know, just like my brother, it's a physical trial. Cancer, you might be going through physical difficulties, some, some health issues, other things like that. Maybe a relationship. But here, God has allowed a test into Philemon's life. And you know what that test is? Are you willing to choose forgiveness? Paul's saying, Philemon, are you willing to choose, and I'm begging you to do it, to forgive Philemon for what he, I mean, forgive Onesimus for what he did to you, but not only just forgive him, but elevate him to the position of a brother in Christ. Now, I want you to put yourself in his shoes. Because this is, you are the master, he is a slave, and all of a sudden he's come back to you with this letter, and the Apostle Paul's saying, by the way, here's your brother. Treat him like your brother, would you? Love him. So instead of punishing him, and back in those days, uh, you were, if you were an escaped um, slave, a runaway slave, many of them were then crucified, or what also, also they did once they caught the runaway slave, they would brand them on the forehead with a red-hot iron and brand the word F uh, in Greek or, or Latin, but it would be branded on their forehead, the letter F, for the name, the word fugitive. And they would have that the rest of their life. And, but they treated it. But here, Philemon is not to get angry that, and say, oh, good, I got my slave back. Boy, is he going to pay for what he did? No. Paul's saying, I want you to accept him as a brother. And now Philemon is put to the fiery test. Can I really forgive him? Can, and, and here's the thing about this that, that uh, came t- to my, my understanding, is that not only did Philemon have to show mercy because mercy was okay i forgive you i'll i'll let you come back but he had to extend grace as well by saying not only am i going to forgive you but you're now my brother your brother you're my brother in christ you're no longer really my slave so that's grace and isn't that a beautiful picture of us We were slaves to sin. And God in his mercy sent his son to die on the cross for us. And through his death and his shed blood, we are forgiven of our sins. And God granted us mercy. But of course, God went beyond mercy. And he gave us grace. Not only did he say, no, I won't send you to hell. But he said, my grace says, I'm going to lift you up in the heavenlies where you will be seated with my son in the heavenlies and you will live with me forever and ever. And I have all of eternity prepared for you and a home prepared for you. And you will be my child and you will reign with my son, Jesus Christ. That's grace. That's grace. And Paul is trying to say, Philemon, it's time to make a choice about Onesimus. 
Will you choose to forgive him? Will you choose to show forgiveness? And would you choose to receive him back and elevate him as a brother? We don't have time to turn to it, but of course the story of Joseph and his, his, his brothers. The forgiveness that Joseph showed to his brothers who did him so wrong. And yet, as we, you recall, what did, what did he say? He said to his brothers in Genesis 50, to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God, what? Meant it for good. Can I get to the place, Lord, where I will see all the wrong that's done to me, the hurt, the pain, whatever it is, and realize that you're meaning this for my good somehow, some way? Joseph chose to forgive. Ephesians 4.32, Paul said to the church, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's a choice. Forgiveness as a believer for someone else is not a feeling. I can, may not feel like choosing, uh, feeling like forgiving someone, but it has to be a choice. And if I have the love of Christ in me, The love of Christ should control me to the point where I will forgive my enemy. Whoever that may be, whoever may have hurt me. And there may be someone on your mind right now in your life that I don't know about, nobody else knows about, but there's somebody that that they're just sitting in your mind, back of your mind, and you're saying, boy, I hope they get theirs. Boy, I just... And, and, and there's this bitterness of wanting to get revenge, wanting to pay back, even if they deserve it. We all have had people in our lives that we just, you know, have done us wrong and hurt us, and we want to we get even or, or have justice be served. Oh, that we might choose forgiveness. Paul said in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's a story, some of you may have heard this story about a man named Peter Miller. Peter Miller was a preacher in Ephrata here in, during the Revolutionary War. And uh, during this time, Pastor Peter Miller, uh, he was ministering in Ephrata, there in Lancaster County, and he had his little church. But he had a neighbor who lived next door to him who took great pleasure in mocking and ridiculing Miller as a pastor and just would rip him to shreds. Anytime he saw him, he would mock him. Oh, you're the, you're the religious guy, yeah, you know, and, and, and just, just work him over day after day because he lived right next door to him. And while as it happened during the war, this neighbor fell on hard times, and he was accused and convicted of treason. And, of course, while he was an unpleasant person, Miller didn't believe he was a traitor. 
And Miller, though this man had done him so much wrong, this man, this neighbor was going to be hung. So Peter Miller decided to travel 70 miles on foot to Philadelphia to see George Washington, who Peter Miller believed would commute the sentence and free him of the charges against him of treason. Here's Peter Miller doing this for his enemy. When Peter Peter Miller approached the great general, Washington told him he was sorry, but there is nothing he could do to save his friend. Peter Miller said, my friend? He said, why, he isn't my friend. He's my worst enemy. The worst I've ever had. Washington was stunned. Washington was surprised, and he says, what? He said, you walked 70 miles to save the life of an enemy? Well, that, Washington then says, that in my judgment puts the matter in a different light. I will grant your pardon. So with that, George Washington signed a pardon, gave it to Peter Miller, and Peter went to the square where they were about to hang the neighbor. And as the neighbor was up there getting ready, Peter Miller got there as he was being walked up to the scaffold. And this neighbor looked out, and he could see Peter Miller. And he goes, ah, look at this. Peter Miller has come by to, to, to watch me hang. And with that, Peter Miller walked up and said, no, I have something else for you. And he handed the soldier the pardon. And this man went free. His own enemy, his worst enemy. Peter Miller had such a love even for his enemy that he was willing to do that. How far am I willing to go to forgive somebody? May tonight be the night where we just do some house cleaning with those who have hurt us, upset us, and, and, and we're holding bitterness towards them, and we, can't, we haven't been able to forgive them. It's the Lord Jesus who will help us to forgive. As Paul says, Philemon, I want you to forgive. With his help, we can make that choice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for the forgiveness you gave us at the cross. And Father, we know that we must forgive as you forgave us. Father, give us a forgiving heart. Take away our bitterness. And help us to forgive those who have trespassed against us. And Father, we know that when we do this, we will be able to put our head down at night and sleep peacefully. For we know we have given the matter over to you. And we've been able to forgive by choice out of our love for you. Thank you, Father, once again for speaking to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do we have a closing song, Guy?